welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show, where we are making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. I'm Jackie Simmons, the host of the show, and I am delighted that you are here with me. We are going to go on a journey with a very special guest. This is my friend, James Neville Taylor, and we're going to go and talk about what we don't talk about, but we're going to talk about why we don't talk about what we don't talk about. And if you had trouble following that, don't worry. James is going to make it all clear. So, James, without further ado, please untech yourself and come on in to the studio. So the power of technology, there you are. Poof. Hi, Jackie. How's it going? It's Super going excited well. to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. All right, I have to ask, how, what, what time zone are you in? Uh, I'm in the UK, so it's just past midnight here now. Thank you so much, James, for being willing to come on the show today. No problem at all. It's my absolute pleasure. And uh, especially to talk about what we're going to talk about today. It's something that's very close to my heart. So I'm more than happy to be here. Oh, you're sweet. And so, yeah, let's talk about it. All right, we're going to talk about it. Okay, I don't want to talk about it. Never want to talk about it. Didn't think I was ever going to talk about it. And now it's all I do is talk about it. James, on your journey, because you've been talking on some big stages and you've been taking a message into the world, what, what stops us from taking what's so important? Because we all have important messages to share, not just on this topic, but on any topic. What stops us from speaking up about what's important to us? I mean, Opening up around anyone is hard, especially strangers. I mean, it can be tough to even open up to people we know, love and trust. Um, but especially around other people, we have no idea how they're going to react. We have uh, no idea what the what they're, they're going to say and how they're going to judge us. And that's especially, um, especially prominent at the moment. People think uh, that they're going to be judged. People are scared about what other people are going to think about them and so on and so forth. I mean, for me, especially the first time I opened up about my struggles, I had no idea how anyone was going to react. Um, but luckily I was in a very supportive atmosphere uh, around a lot of very supportive people and being around that supportive, those supportive people being around in that supportive atmosphere just kind of broke down all barriers for me. I remember it so, so clearly. It was such an emotional experience. I was, I was literally shaking at the end of it. I, I was almost in tears because it was such a transformational experience for me. Um, but unfortunately, some people, they don't have uh, the supportive people around them. And especially when I was growing up, um, being pushed from pillar to post to a lot of different children's homes, I never had that supportive network. Um, but the first time I opened up, I did. So to answer your question, it, it's just the the judgment of other people um, is is uh, is an ever everlasting fear. I think. Got it. Well, all right, and and that makes sense from a survival standpoint. You know, if we go to that part of our brain, um, being judged and pushed out of the village was a death sentence to our ancestor, the caveman. So part of that brain is still active in all of us. This fear of judgment is a natural response. But we live in a world that we have to be willing to change our brains mm -hmm. and come out of the caveman brain. What made it possible 
for you to come out of the caveman brain and actually take that risk because you could have been voted off the island. Yeah, I, I, I very well could have. Um, it was, it was, uh, I'm not really sure what kind of called me the first time to share my, to share my story. Um, part of it was not believing that I had any other value to give. Um, I was already a very successful marketer. I'd made, uh, six figures online, but I still didn't believe that I had any value to give. And I wasn't, I was, I suffered from imposter syndrome and I got invited to speak on stage and I had no idea what to talk about. And I thought, I'm just going to tell my story and, and see what happens. Wow. That's huge. Now, cool. All right. So you said it was a very supportive audience. Who was, what was the audience? If you don't mind. Uh, the audience was a, uh, a lot of people that I consider to be family. Now it was a builder all event. Um, the CEO has been almost like a father figure to me for the last few years. He's kind of helped me, guided me and, uh, been there for me if I've ever had any questions. So he's, he's very, I, I would consider him family now. And a lot of the other people in the community have been very helpful and, and supportive as well. So we're not talking about a support group here. We're talking about a, a group of, um, people in a work environment. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So what, you know, it's like, whoa, that changed my person. I'm glad I asked because I had written such a different story in my head. All right. So, so what happened? It was, it was a digital marketing event for, uh, for the software tools that they have. And I got invited to speak. I was successful with the tools, successful as an affiliate. And I got asked to speak, um, on a topic. And like I said, I, I, I was suffering badly with imposter syndrome. So I, I thought, um, I could do something on Facebook ads. I could do something on uh, Google or, or how to get leads or something like that. And I thought everyone else is doing that. And I don't think I could teach any better than that. So I think I just, I'm just going to say how much the company's helped me get from where I was a, a shy withdrawn recluse who had no belief in himself to, to where I am today. And just kind of told my story about, um, not, uh, about trying to take my own life and, um, having a, having a, uh, hard upbringing to being overwhelmed with this supportive community who's helped me from not being able to speak a word on camera to supporting me every step of the way. Wow. What was the reaction in the room? Because it is not the easiest to imagine for me. <laughs> now i didn't go all the way into my story that i did uh hold a bit back i didn't uh actually mention the suicide attempt in that first speech i spoke about my struggles with anxiety depression um and some of the struggles that i had uh growing up being pushed into a lot of different children's homes um some, some of the abuse that i suffered as a child i said some stuff about that not all all of the stuff that happened but just the the surface kind of surface level stuff it's relative to what you think is surface level um but just kind of kind of some of the stuff kind of testing the water as it were um and that i could just see on everyone's faces how they were just amazed um and i see it all the time whenever i share my story with someone it's kind of like uh holy crap this guy's sharing more than just surface level stuff and i think a lot of people in the world nowadays they don't open up they don't 
be themselves around other people they're they're kind of when you meet someone you're meeting their representative you're not meeting the actually them are you and it's just it's it's such a freeing feeling to be able to open up to be able to be yourself to be able to tell your story and get your message out there and be yourself around people whereas so so many people they hide stuff inside um but it's just so liberating to be able to to share your message and share your story cool all right so from that one conversation with people who you were already in community with they already knew you you already knew them how did you go from there to the speaking that you're doing now because that's a huge i mean i saw you on stage just a couple weeks ago this is like the transformation of the century so (laughs) how'd you go from one to the other uh, it was it was a progression. It wasn't just like a magical metamorphosis, and suddenly I can speak and and uh, and be on video and camera and stuff. It's took consistently stepping out of my comfort zone each and every day, and um, it's also saying yes to opportunities when they're given to me. I mean, um, back in 2017 when I first got started, I got the chance to speak on a summit, and I originally I actually originally said no. Um, I thought there was no way I could do it. I, I, I couldn't even press, uh, I couldn't even do more than a sentence on a video at that time. So I had to keep pausing, recording, pausing, recording, pausing, recording to even get a sentence or more out on a video. So when I got offered the chance to speak on a summit, I was like, nope, no way can I do this, no way at all. But I remembered a quote from Richard Branson, which says, if you are offered an amazing opportunity and you're not sure you can do it, say yes and learn how to do it later. So I said yes to that opportunity. I said yes to the first time speaking on stage. And there's a dozen other opportunities, which I almost did say no to. Um, but I, I ended up saying yes to them. And I could have so easily said no to them. But each time I said yes, it was a gradual progression to getting better and better and stepping out of my comfort zone each and every time to, to build up that confidence to where I am today. That's quite the journey. And I so appreciate the fact that you are willing to come onto this conversation because what you're doing now is nothing short of a miracle um, for my community. And it was like, oh yeah, please, let's talk. You know, you took a stage um, and I'm, I'm just gonna say, wait, wait I, gotta, I gotta tell them the punchline you're talking about this journey and about imposter syndrome and about how you couldn't speak more than one sentence. And it was not, yeah, it was, it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, you put yourself into a uh, tank full of sharks. And you know, the, the event was a, what they call a shark attack where, uh, seven, you know, really, really, really good, really well established, huge list, huge leverage people were going to critique what you were going to present. Mm-hmm. And you just took the stage and, you know, not any hesitation at all, <laughs> laid it out there. And then you were on camera while they were chomping away at you with their feedback and their guidance, which is, let's face it, we often receive that as criticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and as they were giving you their perspectives and stuff, you were just there taking it in. And I'm like, James? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was a little nervous by the end. Um, I did, I did stutter a little bit at the end. It was quite nerve wracking by the end of it, but that that's all come from um, making the mistakes um, along the way. And I've made some big mistakes in the last couple of years, really big, really big mistakes, but the world didn't end. <laughs> and back in 2017, like literally the tiniest little thing, the tiniest little mistake, if I said something wrong, I accidentally set something up wrong or any tiny little mistake and my heart would want to explode. I'd get panic attacks. My heart raced. I got hot, sweaty, and just, I thought the world was going to end. Um, but after a few times the world didn't end, I realized that things weren't as bad as I was making them out to be. And after making some even bigger mistakes in the world not ending, it kind of made me realize, hey, <laughs> I'm making mistakes, but I'm making progress. And I'm, I'm going quite fast. That's the thing. If you're going quite fast and you're trying to make fast progress, you're going to make some mistakes along the way. But if, as long as you own those mistakes and, and apologize if necessary for those mistakes and keep charging forward, then you're going to get to where you want. And the mistakes that you make aren't anywhere near as bad as what you make them out to be in your own mind. <laughs> there we go. I love that. If you're going to move quickly and try to do something that's a big change or even a little change, but you want fast progress, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Okay. I'm living proof of that. Um, you know, not all mistakes had to happen. Some of them I facilitate. And yeah, we call this self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. But you, know, you were talking about you made big mistakes and you didn't die. I'm, I might have felt like I wanted to die at the time, but <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> there's, it's, there's, there's a saying that I always say, and it's something that I spoke about on stage a lot, is uh, fear and embarrassment are temporary. Regret lasts a lifetime. So the fear of being on stage, the fear of, um, the fear of all the, the little things uh, doesn't, matter, doesn't really matter. Fear, fear and embarrassment, although it might feel horrific at the time, they're temporary things. But the regret of missing out on something, the regret of not taking that chance and stepping up lasts a heck of a lot longer than the fear of, of messing something up. Wow. Now that's really, really cool perspective. All right, so for people who are thinking they're gonna die from embarrassment um, and or they're, you know, that the fear could overwhelm them, if they wanted something to be afraid of, it would be the regret. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, the, the fear of letting people down um, has, has helped me push through my, fear, my lesser fears um, a lot. It's like when I, the first time I got on stage, I really wanted to run off. I, I did not want to be there. Um, but the fear of letting Eric down, the fear of letting everyone down who, who believed in me and invited me there outweighed the fear of actually getting up there. You know, there's something about when you say yes. You know, when you say yes to someone, yes, I will speak on your stage. Yes, I will speak on your summit. It does put you in a position of not wanting to let someone else down. And it is a great motivator. Um, it really is because it motivates you to get you know, what you can get right. Even if you don't have a lot of time to prep, you know, mm -hmm. it gives you a chance to just make what you get, you know, the right thing. Now, as you've been doing your speaking, 
what topic do most people hear from you when you're on a summit or a stage? What do you usually talk about? Uh, when I'm on a summit or a stage, usually I'm talking about my story. Um, I, my, the title of my talk is usually from suicide to success. Mm -hmm. So I tell of my story where I came from a few years ago to the successful uh, business and the successes that I've had so far. And my main aim is to inspire people that no matter how dark it gets, how, no matter how um, bad you feel that there's always a way back. There's always light at the end of the end of the tunnel. So you had the experience of somebody who had a supportive environment, a group of people who supported you as they were all kind of on the digital marketing entrepreneurial journey, you know, when it was kind of a newer space. And you've started paying that back mm -hmm. because you, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm lightly surface familiar with, with what you're doing. The joy that that brings to my heart and to my mission, because I'm, I'm thinking that your story is kind of the universal story that we want to, um, we want to be the preventive that nobody else has to live it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my whole mission in the world yeah. is to create a compilation of programs that are pure prevention, that provide for paths, here we go, I'm alliterating today, that provide for, provide for the paths to prosperity because we know that the worry about money is often one of the triggers for going into depression and, and dealing with anxiety. So your program intrigued me from that perspective. What made you decide that that's what you were gonna do, that you were gonna help people find a, a, a money path because you could have just, you know, I mean, let's face it. It would have been a lot easier for you to just go ahead, do your digital thing, make money and donate to a nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what you decided to do. What made you decide to do what you're doing or what you're launching? Cause I'm, you're going to be herding cats. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot easier. Um, my main business is affiliate marketing, and I believe that's the best and easiest business model in the world for anyone, but especially people who uh, struggle with certain mental health problems. Because you, unlike other a lot of other um, programs, you've got no uh, no stock, no support worries, no fulfillment worries, no no anything like that. All you, all you need to do really is connect someone who needs a product to someone who sells a product and collect a commission in the middle. You don't have to fulfill that product. You don't have to provide support for it or anything. So uh, I don't think there's another business model which is as easy as, as it is. So if I just wanted to uh, make it easy, I would continue my affiliate marketing thing and just donate, as you said. Yeah. Um, but I really want to help people who were in my position a few years ago, people who are lost, people who are down and out, people who have no hope um, and never think they're going to achieve anything. And to first inspire them with my story, tell them my story um, and what's happened to me, where I came from, to inspire them uh, and motivate them and then give them a proven path to be able to make something of themselves um, with affiliate marketing. So my new programs to be able to not only teach them, but provide them a done for you system where they can get results as quickly as possible. Um, so so pe people can have some belief in themselves again. You know, that's really, really critical. Um, the concept about results. 
when we're talking about results, I like to get really specific. What is the first result that someone real? No, I'm going to, I'm going to make it personal, James. When you first went into affiliate marketing, what happened that made it possible for you to stay in affiliate marketing that made it possible for you to stay alive? What happened? What was the first result? I mean, the first result for me was making that first commission, just knowing that it was possible. You know, when you try, I mean, uh, when, when I tried to take my own life in January, 2017, that was kind of a wake up call for me. It made me open my eyes and made me want to try again. And I tried for six months before I made my first commission. Um, but most people, uh, they'll, they'll quit after six months. They'll quit after six weeks. Heck, some people will even quit after six days. Uh, <laughs> This is true, especially if they're coming from a mindset of I've never gotten anything right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that first commission for me was was the, uh, the turning point for me, which made me believe that I could actually do this and made me stick to affiliate marketing. Because I tried when I first started, I tried e-com, I tried agency work, I tried all sorts of things um, before, uh, before I got to affiliate marketing. And um, I'll, I'll tell you a, a quick funny story of actually about the first time that I uh, tried to get on a call with someone. Um, it was uh, when I was doing the agency thing and I've, I've not spoke to anyone on the phone before. I just bought this, uh, this course about, um, about agency work and how to do affiliate uh, Facebook ads and stuff like that. I was due to get on a call with someone to discuss it. And I was so nervous. I literally scripted out all the questions that she could possibly ask, all the answers, everything. I drank like 15 cups of coffee before I, I dialed the number to get on a call. And then when I eventually built up the confidence to dial, she didn't answer. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and I, tried oh. again. I tried again 10 minutes later and again, she didn't answer. And a couple of days later, she was like, oh, sorry, I had something come up. Uh, and um, can we reschedule? But we never did. We never rescheduled. I wasted an entire day over preparing, scripting everything out, trying to make everything perfect for something that a call that never happened and never will happen. Wow. And one of the big messages that I want to get from that is don't, don't try and over prepare for something. Don't, don't, don't try and uh, make everything perfect because nothing is ever going to be perfect. You just got to go all into it and, and do your best. Did you ever get to use the script? No. <laughs> Cause then I did, I, I moved on to affiliate marketing uh, not long after that. So <laughs> I never did. I never did get on the phone call. Um, I never got onto anyone, uh, a phone call with anyone to use that script. So it was a complete waste of a day. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to just argue that because I think it was so painful that it propelled you to look for something other than agency work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it happened for a reason. <laughs> yeah, maybe because it allowed you to make that pivot. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So the journey from trying to figure this out. I mean, you, you, you embraced entrepreneurialism. Were you always an entrepreneur? I mean, we, I mean, you could have just been starting four years ago. I mean, I get this. You might, you might've been all of 16 because you don't look very old from my perspective, <laughs> but, 
I'm actually coming up to 31 in a couple of months. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what had you done prior to um, uh, this Not journey? a lot, actually. I'm not sure. I'm not, have you, you, no, you probably haven't heard my full story if you're asking that. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I haven't heard your full story, but you know, you don't have to take us too deep into it if you don't want to. I just want to try to give some context. Absolutely. No. So I, a lot, after a lot of stuff growing up, which I won't go into, um, I locked myself away from the world for almost seven years. Um, I never went out unless I was under the influence of alcohol or worse. And I didn't speak to anyone. I didn't go out. I, and for a while, James didn't exist. I just played computer games from the moment that I woke up to the moment I went to bed. I lived in a make-believe world and just the world was that, that, that computer game world was my life for a lot of years. Um, I was on disability for a number of years. I used to not be able to go out. Uh, like I said, I, I was either in, under the influence of something or I would get frequent panic attacks when I went out. So I locked myself away for a long time. So I had no experience. I was starting from the absolute bottom. Um, I, and like I said, when I first got started in 2017, I could barely put a profile picture up on Facebook. I could barely hold a conversation with anyone. I was I was starting from the absolute um, bottom back then. Wow. Uh, there are so many people living such a similar experience because they are dealing with daily struggles and battles in any, you know, in the realm of anxiety, depression, um, chronic pain, you know, the, the list is, is like a suicide, a list of suicide risk indicators. Yeah. And so your ability to even break free from that. It was the, it was the near death experience that woke it. Sadly, it wasn't the first time I tried to take my own life, but it was the closest and it was the one that woke me up. Um, and I'm still trying to find a way to instill that inspiration into other people. <laughs> um, what happened to me? Um, because it was, it was a life changing moment. It made me want to try again after not wanting to try for so many years. Um, and to be honest, without video games, I probably wouldn't be here. They were my escape. Um, and without, without them and without being, uh, lost in those video games for all that time, I probably wouldn't be here. I'd have probably gone mad. The interaction that's possible with the video game is more interaction than you were able to handle on a human to human basis. Mm -hmm. So I can see how that would, would absolutely be a lifeline as, as tenuous as it was. And we know it was tenuous because you attempted, but at, as tenuous as it was, it was a lifeline. And that tendency that we have in our culture to broad brush everything is either good or bad. And people are broad brushing the whole digital screen culture that we are in. And I'm like, it's not all bad. Mm -hmm. For some people and for you, it's what keeps you alive. Mm -hmm. It keeps you engaged at all. And I so appreciate the, the journey and your mission, because I'm going to give you the, your mission statement coming through my mouth. Okay. The 
ability to inspire yourself is your birthright you've just forgotten. And if you could get that message to people that they have the ability to inspire themselves, they've just forgotten. Mm. Most of us that look are trained from early childhood to look for our inspiration outside of ourselves. And my journey is not at all the one that you went on, though we have some elements in common in that I survived two bouts of clinical depression. What I had to come to realize in the last few years when the word empowerment kept coming up and there was this whole movement of, you know, empowering other people. And one day I just, I, I had to go in and change the name of everything I was doing because I'm like, we cannot empower other people. We cannot inspire other people. The best we could do is inspire ourselves every day and perhaps someone will choose to be inspired by us. And by being willing to take a stage, James, by being willing to be interviewed, by being willing to share your story, you give people the opportunity to be inspired by you. And I just so appreciate that about you because that's a huge deal to be willing to inspire yourself to move beyond the experience you were having that was so dreadful. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that it took an attempt, surviving an attempt, because I know how devastating that can be on a lot of different levels. Thank you I'm so much. Really grateful you survived. Thank you. And what I'm doing now is to try and inspire other people and let pe let other people know. Because one of the one of the things that which hurt me so much was not being able to speak up about it, feeling like I couldn't really speak to anyone about it, um, and keeping it under lock and key for a long time. And that's, I think that's what pushes a lot of people towards suicide is the alone, feeling so alone, feeling like there's something wrong with us, feeling like there's something, uh, there's no one that can relate and that we're the only ones. And um, if we only knew how many other people actually struggled with some, some kind of mental health problem, depression, suicidal thoughts, then there's no way we'd keep it in. And there's no way that we would feel so alone because there's so many people struggling with it and um the this this is like evident but the when i really realized how powerful my story was and how it could impact people was um it, with a, a short uh, uber ride the first time i went to new york and um so the first time i went to new york i got an uber ride into the city it was about 45 minutes and uh the driver and me started talking we got onto my story he asked what i did uh we got into digital marketing and then we got into my story so i told him my story my struggles and everything else like that and he opens up to me he says he also suffered sexual abuse as a child and that he'd had uh, suicidal thoughts in the last six months alone and we exchanged numbers at the end of the uber ride and the next day he messages me and he says, thank you so much for being open and honest with me. It was what prompted my honesty. I've never done that before. And it turns out that he had carried that with him, his, his struggles for 20 years, never opening up to a single person, his girlfriend, his mum, his parents, no one. Um, and he carried it around for 20 years, not saying a word 
to anyone until a random stranger in a, in, an, in a random Uber ride opened up to him on a 45 minute Uber ride into the city, which gave him the confidence to be able to speak up about it. And that was, that was the first time I realized what power uh, sharing my story really had and why I uh, share it as much as I can. Well, you've hit upon two things that are near and dear to my heart, James. The power of sharing your story gives passive permission for everyone around you to do the same, to open up and share theirs. Mm -hmm. And as wonderful as that is, the other side of that coin is something people don't talk about. When one person takes their own life in a community, they are giving tacit permission for everyone else in the community to do the same. We don't live in isolation. And so the power works both ways. And part of the message we're working to get out into the world is that celebrities especially, I think celebrities do not have the right to take their own lives because they end up impacting so many people, giving other people the permission to do the same. On the other hand, you standing up and being willing to share your story, just like my daughter, Stephanie, who stood up and was willing to share her story. You know, this is what launches a movement. Both sides have great responsibility. I am so, so grateful that you woke up to the fact that you had power, you just didn't know it before, and that you are now using it. And as you say, you're using it to inspire and the permission that you give to people by your willingness to speak up is going to impact thousands and thousands and thousands and maybe even millions of people change. And you've partnered that with a way to help them build the economic muscle that is often so devastated when someone is struggling, whether they are struggling with a mental health diagnosis or whether they are struggling with the after effects of unpleasantness. And, you know, I, I can't call everything PTSD, but though I do believe that we ride an elephant named PETA, post-traumatic anything. Yeah, I, I, I think that we've all been exposed to things that we didn't have the skills to stay present for and whatever that is for anybody, they can latch onto your story. They can shift the results they've got in their lives and create a new pathway because you decided to go first. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I want to honor you because that's my definition of leadership is being willing to go first. Thank, so you. thank you. And I, I totally agree. And it's uh, like I said um, before, I see people's face change when I tell them what happened to me. It just changes the whole mood, the whole body language, just everyone kind of feels like they can relax because they don't have to put up these shields and you're not meeting their representative anymore. You know, um, it's, and they're like, uh, they just start opening up and you can see the change in the body language, the change in the eyes. And like I said, I think too many of us are scared of letting anyone in past the surface level that we sometimes never get to know anyone on a deeper level, which is really, really bad. 
um we're so isolated and scared of what other people think that we're not truly ourselves we never get to connect with uh people properly um and i think that's really a sad thing there's there's uh it's it's so like i said before it's so liberated and free and when you can be yourself around people and when other people can be themselves around you and you don't have to put on a facade put on a face and uh there's there's just less judgment and less uh less um stress well you got that right there's a lot less stress when you stop worrying about other people's judgments um some really brilliant person wrote a book called your opinion of me is none of my business um, and I thought that was an attitude that would serve me well to adopt. And mm -hmm. it has. But you said something else I want to point out to people. How you are now, how you present behind a microphone or on a stage is not where you started. Mm -hmm. And how I present now, you, know, you give me, a, there's a microphone in the room, I am like a magnet. You know. But that's not where I started either. The ability to be articulate, the ability to speak up in a way that other people can actually hear what you're saying and choose to be inspired by it is a skill like anything else. So I want to encourage everybody who's on and listening, whether you're listening live or on the recording, to just go and do it. I want you to go speak somewhere. Go sh share just a shred of your story. Go speak, do it often, do it poorly, do it often enough. Guess what? You'll get better. I am a proof of that. James is proof of that. How many talks have you given now? Any idea? Uh, I could tell you how many countries I've, I've spoken in. <laughs> there we go. Uh, That'll do. Not nine different countries so far across three continents. Um, probably... 20 like on 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 summits as well probably 50 50 or more there we go you know it this is how you improve is by actually being willing to do it yeah the first time was terrible <laughs> it's like <laughs> on my on my youtube channel i actually have the first video that i ever created back in 2017 and it really? is I do. It's so terrible. It's like the, the voice is so droll. It's just, it's just terrible, but I leave it up there as a reminder to myself and also as inspiration for others. So if you look at my first YouTube, my first YouTube video, and then you look at my most recent YouTube video, you're like, wow, <laughs> what, what, what a change, what a transformation. And it is, it's, it's an inspiration for people to be able to do the same. There we go. That's a really, really cool thing. And, and you know, that's true because the, um, the suicide prevention movement, which is the YouTube channel that we have is got the first summit. I, yeah, the first interviews I ever did on this topic. And the difference is pretty dramatic, both in how I feel about it, both in who I'm willing to invite, and now it is by invitation only. You know, it started out where anybody that I could get to talk, I just do, I'd come talk on, because I was so scared that nobody would be willing to come to something called the Suicide Prevention Show. And I was like, I have to be able to make this conversation 
we have to be able to break the silence and start the conversation. Those were the two hashtags behind the book. And I do want you to write for the next version of the book, the next volume, the Make It a Great Day, The Choice is Yours book. Um, because I was like, why would anybody come and talk about this? But you have to, people, you have to. And so I just, now it's, who are the right people? Who are doing something? Who's doing something that brings a message to the world that your experience of it is not static, that you can actually make a shift, make a change, make it better. Mm -hmm. And James, you're living proof of that. And I am so, so grateful. Oh, and we have a gift. Okay, so so you, you have a gift. So we'll be putting that into the chat box. I almost forgot. And you want to tell them a little bit about this? Because this is a little different. Um, which gift? Oh, you've got the blueprint. It's the uh, ultimate affiliate marketing blueprint. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, I couldn't remember which one it was, whether it was the VIP one or uh, the, uh, the yeah, other. This, yeah. So, all right. So yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that a little later, but right okay. now. <laughs> okay. So anybody listening, you will be able to find this link in the show notes. If you're listening to this after the fact, if you're here live, it's been dropped into the chat box for you. Um, what is the blueprint? So the ultimate affiliate marketing blueprint is like a, almost an encyclopedia, uh, encyclopedia of uh, knowledge on affiliate marketing. Uh, there's 106 pages of affiliate marketing knowledge uh, broken to different blueprints. Um, I think there's uh, 12, 12 or 15 different blueprints, uh, different styles of affiliate marketing in, in the, uh, in the entire um in, in the entire PDF. So it's literally an encyclopedic knowledge on, on affiliate marketing um, for wow. anyone who wants to get started in it. James, that's a huge hunk of intellectual property. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's like, yeah, by the time you read this, you'll know whether or not this game is for you to play. Right. Uh, <laughs> but that's amazing. Thank you. No problem. You're most welcome. I'm happy to over deliver. <laughs> there we go. That, and maybe that's a, maybe that's the business lesson of the day. Over delivering equals happiness. You can't go wrong by over delivering. That would be a great business lesson for people to get. So cool. All right. I know it's almost one o'clock in the morning now or something along those lines. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to make you stay up too much later, but I do just want to say thank you um, because you really do open a door for people like your experience with the Uber driver you know, your experience on the stage a couple of weeks ago when we got reconnected and I was like, whoa, yeah. Um, James, keep going. Just keep going. Thank you. I'm not going to stop. No way. Too much is at stake. 
so for those that follow the Suicide Prevention Society, the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, you'll be able to connect more with James's story and his prosperity plan for people who choose to be inspired. Um, so we will be, because we, we're partnering, which I'm so excited about. So, all right. So, um, I hate to say goodbye. Can you tell I'm struggling a little <laughs> bit, James? So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure.